This show has explicit language and mature themes. Jonathan, how about some of that intro lick? Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Oh, hey there. Welcome to Dexplanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked something up on Wikipedia, watched some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. What's up, David? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing super good. Yeah. Yeah. Super. super. How are we, uh... What? How, how are we gonna learn about? <laughs> we're gonna ha- no. Uh, what? What? And rather, instead, what are we gonna learn about? Uh, we're gonna tell the story of Phineas Gage. Oh, right on. Yeah. So we'll start with when he's born. He was a dude who was born in Grafton County, Virginia, in 1823. He was the first child of five, and he had a family doctor named John Harlow. And really, there's not much else to be said about him until he's 25 years old. So we just <laughs> <laughs> skip ahead. <laughs> skip uh, ahead. I think there are, like the one thing I would like to point out is that he was known for being um, punctual, responsible, mild mannered, um, mild mannered, yes, soft spoken, uh, soft spoken, just Ge- a very genial. kind, genial person. Yes, yeah. He was he was uh, somebody that pretty much everybody could get along with. Yeah, yeah. He was just a nice guy. So uh, he's 25. And he's also a hard worker. Um, when he's 25, he's working for the railroad as a blast foreman. And one of the things that uh, they do working for the railroad as a blast foreman or on a blast blasting team is you drill a deep hole, pack gunpowder into the bottom third of the hole, uh, put a fuse in, fill the rest with sand, and then you tamp it down with like a iron about the size of the hole right like a big spike yeah and if you tamp the sand hard enough it will direct the explosion to go into into the rock itself oh okay like yeah yeah outwards instead of upward um and uh his tamping iron was 13 pounds and it was that's big yeah i didn't realize it was a 13 pounder wow and it was almost four feet long and uh it was pointed so it looks something like a spear. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they have those tamping irons, and they pack the sand in, and then they light the fuse and get the fuck out of there. Okay. And blow it up. Keep on moving, because the rail's got to keep going. Um, but So, yeah, he was doing this on September 13th in 1848 at, like, about 440. He was working to clear a path for a railway near Cavendish, Virginia, and he got somehow distracted he like looked away, presumably to speak, kind of opened his mouth a little bit, and a spark from his tamping rod <laughs> sparked the gunpowder, which rocketed the tamping rod through his cheekbone and some teeth, and it continued through his through behind his left eye and went up into his brain through his frontal lobe, and came out the top of his head, and landed landed uh, point first about eighty feet away. Yeah, so that was traveling yeah, with some speed. With some serious A 13 speed. pound iron spike got sent 80 feet after passing through a person. Yeah, it was a, uh, and uh, it was like four feet long. So four feet of a spike went, traveled through his head. It was like when they found it, it was like, it was covered in blood and like brain bits Ooh. and like described as like greasy. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Greasy. Greasy. Not, greasy brain not grease. Not a good picture. Bloody. Also, it's landed point first. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, like 
Yeah, like a just javelin. like stuck into the ground. Yeah, and then he like stood up. Like after a while, he convulsed a little bit. Like okay, so he like just, he like, fell to the ground and like yeah, he was like flew for... backward with like burns on his face and hands, and uh, convulsed a little bit on the ground. But like after not very long at all, he stood up and was conscious. <laughs> and not and not experiencing a whole lot of pain. Yeah, presume. I mean, no. I mean, he, at least it didn't. From the descriptions, a, his behavior. Yeah, didn't... he took a carriage ride, um, like a quarter mile stage, uh, stagecoach ride into town after that. Um, but let's, yeah, it destroyed much of his frontal lobe. And uh, so after getting into town, about thirty minutes after the accident, he was seen by the town physician Edward H. Williams. And when he, when the doctor came in, Phineas told the doctor, "Doctor, here's enough business for you." <laughs> <laughs> wow, he still had his sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, after losing like most of like most of his left frontal lobe. Oh my <laughs> Just, god! I only wish I could have that much humor in a situation <laughs> like that. Seriously, like uh, the doc, his family doctor came back later said that, like, the bed he was laying on was, like, one big mess of gore. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but the first doctor that came ended up writing, uh, Mr. Gage, during the time I was examining the, this wound, was relating the manner in which he was injured to the bystanders. I did not believe Mr. Gage's statement at that time, but thought he was deceived. Mr. Gage persisted in saying that the bar went through his head. Mr. Gage got up and vomited. The effort of vomiting pressed about half a teacup of brain through the exit hole at the top of his skull, which fell upon the floor. Oh! <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, oh! And then, like, that, that effort... Yeah, cut, just like, the, strain the strain of vomiting pushed yeah. brain off the top of his skull. And they oh said, my they said you could look into the hole... And see the pulsation of the brain. Oh man! And uh, like, I mean, presumably, and well, hopefully, the brain tissue that fell out of his skull when he did that was already damaged and rendered useless by that yeah, point. Hopefully. I mean, you would hope, and kind of, I would assume that healthy brain tissue isn't just like falling off in clumps and right? just like squeezing out of his skull every time just he throws out. up. He's just like, here, here you go, doctor. He's such a badass. Um, but his family doctor took over, Dr. Harlow, took over at 6 p.m. Um, and although immediately after the accident he seemed okay, after a couple days he became decidedly delirious. Oh. Um, and, like, went into, he got, like, a fungal brain in- infection Ooh. 12 days after the accident and fell into a semi-comatose state, speaking mostly in monosyllables. And there was, like, a bunch of fetid tissue and fungus that was coming out of the top of his head that they would, like, end through his eye, that oh they would, like, scrape away. Goodness. And, like, so many people put their fingers in his head. And, yeah, uh, they were like, just getting all of their nasty... Oh, <laughs> man, this was before germ theory. Yeah, yeah. So 12 days after he w- he got in the fell into the semi-comatose state, uh, he was able to stand up again and move around. And uh, w- Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And he went home to his family farm two months later, and his mom report like reported that he was doing all right. He could only work a half day, is what she said, <laughs> and had mem- minor memory loss that wouldn't be recognized by a stranger. 
Okay. And uh, he pretty much always kept the tamping rod with him, like wherever he went. He, that tamping rod that went I through his head. I had heard that he kept it. Didn't yeah, he frequently it was like use his, it as like a walking stick kind of? Um, yeah, or something like, like that. I mean, it's and not it was that like his constant work. companion. Okay, is what they called it. Called it. Um, it's actually with his skull. We'll get to that. He went. He tried to go back to the work at the railroad, but he got fired from the railroad because of his behavior issues. Mm-hmm. He was described as being violent, vulgar, and speaking all manner of profanities. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So after he got fired from the railroad for being for being an asshole, pretty much, uh, from like after having been genial. And everything yeah, yeah. Before. That's why I wanted to point that out at the beginning because yeah. like his behavior. I do remember from studying them, uh, studying him. Um, when I was younger, that his behavior changed quite radically in a number of ways yeah, after quite. this accident. Uh, quite dramatically. So after he got filed, fired from the railroad, he's storied to have displayed himself in his tamping rod for money around the country, and just he like basically going made around. like an exhibit out of himself. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. made an exhibit out of himself, and then he even spent time with P.T. Barnum in Barnum's American Circus. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I did not know and that. And some, yeah, but I don't think it was one of the traveling ones. Okay. Okay. But after after a while, like four more years. He was actually invited to be a long distance stagecoach driver in Chile. Uh, so he it was invited. eighteen. Yeah, invited. Is very. This is where it gets very interesting, um, because this part either shows that he had significant progress in his mental uh, cognition, or that the previous reports of his change in personality were false. Because driving a stagecoach is fucking hard. Okay. Like, you have to take care of the horses, you have to navigate, you have to avoid bandits, collect fares, and be personable enough to deal with customers driving like 100 miles or so. Interesting. And so, like, the mere fact that he was able to do that. Yeah, and in fact, like, invited to do it. Invited to do it. Like, like that's like a stagecoach. I mean, coach. I could see how being a total asshole would make you good at fighting bandits, but not the kind of person that, like, you know, people who can afford a stagecoach are going to want to travel with for, like, a yeah. hundred miles. Yeah, well, and then the skill that you have to have. Like, there is, like, some, like, six horses on, yeah, in front you have of to that manage, stagecoach. Yeah, you have to manage them, too. And, and so if you you're have just to have a like big prick to them every, all the time. And, like, it's been described as, like, you have to have a rain on every single finger. Oh, And kind of, wow. like, okay. play it like an instrument, kind of. Wow, to I get had the no horses. idea. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. So yeah, like some I had of no idea stuff that, is in... that driving a stagecoach was such a precision yeah. art. No, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, so after after he was driving, sta- that'll have to be an episode because I am super driving interested a stagecoach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to look into that more. Yeah, because I didn't really look much into it, but just found that it was super hard, and that that like kind of shows that he either made had significant made, yeah. progress or. Like undercuts the fact Dude, that he was this all is, fucked up before, and this is making progress against like a very severe injury back before there was a theory for any like yeah. there was no one to help him really. You well, know like, what I mean? the, like the good thing was that Doctor Harlow like didn't close up his wounds and like completely, and he also like drilled a hole under his nose to let like pus and stuff seep oh, out, okay. and so it, like didn't hemorrhage. 
Um, so like Dr. Harlow was actually the best doctor that could have been. And then I think that the fact that the, that his tamping rod was pointed also helped it like move through his skull. Oh, causing less shove damage. Away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it was blunted. Exactly. If it was blunted. Yeah. Then it would have definitely killed him. It's crazy that it didn't. Um, so yeah, uh, after he w- was working in Chile, he uh, started having seizures and other health issues when he was 36 years old. So, so did you about how long was he a stagecoach driver then? Well, he was a stagecoach driver from the time he was 29 to the time he was 36. Wow, that's yeah. a very significant period of time. He right? was clearly successful. Yeah, he was uh, 36 years old when he started having seizures and had to move back with his family, who were at this point, they were in San Francisco. Oh, okay, and interesting. So, yeah, he moved to San Francisco in 1859 and died from seizures from epileptic seizures and convulsions in 1860 oh okay yeah and then six years later dr harlow found out that gage had died and at his request gage's family allowed his skull to be exhumed and personally delivered to him wow (laughs) yeah like his he must have had some relationship with these people yeah of course i mean he saved their son's life and he was their fa- their whole family, family doctor. doctor for, and that's the way it would have been, especially in the frontier uh, in those days. You would probably, if you had a, if you were lucky enough to have a doctor, you would have had one doctor for your entire family, and they yep. would have been your specialist, your 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 internalist, your family practice or uh, doctor. All yeah, and it. they were lucky your that he had like training in surgery. Yeah, and stuff no like kidding. That. No kidding. He probably could have gotten jobs in in better paying areas <laughs> yeah um so since then his skull and tamping iron are at display at harvard in the warren a- anatomical museum okay wow so if you ever want to see Phineas gage's skull or his tamping iron you can go to the warren an- anatomical mu- museum at harvard i would love to do that sometime, right? that sounds honestly. pretty cool so yeah that's pretty much Phineas gage's story let's talk about some of the implications of the story Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so he's one of the first documented examples of a traumatic brain injury. And uh, first... Wow, what a, and what a traumatic injury <laughs> yeah, to be one of the first examples. <laughs> yeah, a fucking four-foot pole got shot through your frontal shot lobe. Shot right through his fucking yeah. brain. His eye stopped working eventually, and they had to show it, sew it shut. Oh, um, really? Yeah, but he Just still looks... Just disconcerting? Yeah, uh, no, it just stopped working, and then their fix was to show it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. At least as far as I know. Yeah, Feel free to correct me on that. I'm not going to question but, uh, <laughs> why, why they needed to show it shut. Yeah. Um, so it was like one of the first examples that definitely showed that if you change the brain, you change the man. Um, which I always kind of liked the story being an atheist because I thought it definitively showed if you change the brain, you change the person. Gotcha. Like it, but it, it kind of mm, it takes away the, from the notion that you, we all have an intrinsic soul, which is mm-hmm. dictating our base behavior. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It, it dictates, and then our brain is kind of just like the hardware that like runs just the makes souls. the soul work. Yeah, makes the soul run yeah, the body. It, like yeah. Um, and he's one of the most famous people in neuroscience, psychology, and biology. And some people even say that he was like the birth of neuroscience. Really? Really? Okay. Because phrenology was extremely popular at the time. 
And phrenology was just like studying the skull and having little maps that show like what part of the brain is responsible for like benevolence. Yeah, or, exactly. It was like, a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it's 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 regarded today as not not a, not actually ever having been a real science. Yeah, no, it was never science. But they were somewhat on something, saying that like general areas of the brain are responsible for general things. Right, much like alchemy. Just, yeah, uh, much like alchemy. Like w- they were on the right track in some areas, and alchemy existed alongside things like. Chemistry for a long time, and a lot of people thought of them as being more or less on the same level. Yeah, um, but, but of course, one turned out to be science, <laughs> chemistry, and one is just pseudoscience yep. nonsense. Yeah, you can't look at somebody's head and tell what kind of person they are. Yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you if, can't. if you were curious, I mean, you if they're can't like frowning that. at you and making like an angry face, you can tell at least yeah. that they disapprove of whatever you're doing, which is probably you know studying their, their yeah. skull or staring. Yeah, just look at people. And tell if they're angry or not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But an- one of the most important things about him is that he shows that you need more reliable data on patients like this. Because of, like, the different changes in the different reports and the limited number of, like, firsthand accounts of Gage, especially before his injury, like, it's kind of... Right, we just have hard so to little, validate. Yeah, yeah, we have so little. We just have some anecdotes, some recorded anecdotes, basically to go on, to give us this idea that his behavior changed so radically. Yeah. In fact, what you said, and I had no idea. We have other evidence to show that maybe um, that wasn't the case at all, because yep. he was obviously competent enough and, um, uh, you know cooperative enough yeah, personable enough. personable enough yeah to to be to handle being a stagecoach driver for a significant uh like for seven a pretty years decent career that's like a not a bad career yeah. i feel like for for a profession like that maybe yeah so he lived uh lived like 12 years after after that happened <laughs> kind of crazy yeah <laughs> especially at the time like with what they yeah with what do. they were able to do for him yeah people just putting their and putting their, their fingers, fingers in, in his head. head. The doctor not <laughs> even scraping believing. Out, scraping out pieces of brain. Yeah, the doctor not even believing that something had passed through his head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Literally but, not believing what had happened was possible. Yeah. Well, because you should have fucking... He should have died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by <laughs> I mean, all... Yeah. Even by modern standards. Like, yeah, mod- yeah, even with modern uh, medicine... If a huge four foot long, thirteen pound metal spike goes through your head, you're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not much we can do for you. So try to avoid that. Don't like at all costs. Don't make, let big metal spikes go. Make through sure your head. there's sand in that hole before you tamp it down. Is that what? Um, they think yeah, some people maybe th- not like, enough sand or just not yeah, any sand. It's not conclusive, but yeah, they do think that he didn't mm. have sand in there yet and was like distracted. Oh, man, that's. That's a shitty mistake to make. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, hey, it made him money for P.T. Barnum. Oh, yeah, that fucking <laughs> asshole. That yeah, guy just well, kind of exploited human misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should we should do an episode on this. Yeah, him yeah. But uh, that's all I got on Phineas Gage. You got anything else you want to no. talk about? Yeah, no, I like this. Uh, this is the first one we've done on, like... It's uh, like a histor- history, yeah, this like, kind of... This is a Dexplains biography, kind of. yeah. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I don't know if you said it was good, but anyway. no, no. I actually, I really enjoyed doing this episode. I was su- very pleasantly surprised uh, with with this topic. Cool. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this episode. The explanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. 
It's produced, edited, and provided sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. The newest supporter of the Dexplanations is Alexis Webb. And if you don't know already, Alexis Webb is seriously super awesome. I miss you, homie. And thank you for supporting the show. Thanks, Alexis. means a lot. Likely, I got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or if you want to clarify something we went over, hit me up at Dexplanationspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, you have a way about you that just lights up the room. Bye now. Bye. Bye.